Um, but earlier this week, listener, we uh, chatted with Arabelle Sicardi. I assume a lot of you guys know who they are based on how long they've been in the beauty industry and been writing. But for those who don't know, they have quite the career for only being, I read this on Wikipedia, that they're 27 years old. So, Oh, damn. Yeah, because they've been writing since they were 15. Right. Um, about beauty and fashion. But they back in the Tumblr days, the Blogspot days. Damn, back when, back when, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> take me back to Blogspot. Damn, take me back to Blogspot.com. Take me back to when porn was on Tumblr. Take me back to, I think porn still is on Tumblr. I don't know. I'm not on. T- I actually, I'm, I haven't been. Go ahead. No, I just haven't been on Tumblr in a while. I created a new Tumblr to get some more graphic design inspiration. Um, uh, right. Because I think people are still posting like moody things. But yeah. um, no, Arabelle Sicardi, back to Arabelle. Um, you've probably seen the writing in Dazed, NY Mag. You've seen it um, on Jezebel, Essence, uh, just everywhere. Um, NY Mag called them the thinking woman's writer. So. Damn, okay. The whole entire time we were having this podcast with them, I thought to myself, I'm too dumb for this shit. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm too, I'm not smart enough to keep up with Arabelle. Yeah, I mean, I felt like I needed to hang up immediately and go read like 10 books. And that's exactly what uh, their newsletter. But in a good way, in a good way, you know? For sure. Yeah, no, I immediately bought like three books um, from local bookstores, not Amazon.com. <laughs> It Did was online. Really? It was online. It's pickup. Um, oh, cool. Cool. So I need to go pick those up this, these, this week. But uh, Arabelle's newsletter, Substack newsletter, uh, You've Got Lipstick on Your Chin. Um, yeah, when you start exploring all of their writing, you, you, you kind of get lost. It's like their own little wiki. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, well, we won't like take up everyone's time right now just 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 boys chatting away we have more of that coming next week um, yeah in case you love this parasocial relationship you have with us maybe you don't uh, quick quick note yeah the uh audio in the first 10 minutes is absolutely garbage so i might even just take out that whole bit where we go not the whole bit sure like 75 percent of the bit where we go through Arabelle's routine. Yep. Because um, you just can't hear shit. So I don't know yet because I still got to edit. But if I do leave it in, just beware. Right. The audio's bad. Do you feel like, as because you've, you've edited a lot now, do you feel like I got really insecure that I was just going off on tangents and there was no context to whatever the fuck we were talking about? Like in the beginning, we start talking about, I ask Arabelle about mewing. Yeah. Which I guess we can link to that shit. Uh, basically, mewing is uh this kind of this controversial orthodontics i guess procedure thinking um that these two british orthodontic ortho okay let me i'm butchering this anyway maybe we could just edit this out but yeah there's like okay. um <clears throat> no i got a little uh i feel like we were all on the same wavelength like we knew what we what the other one was talking about but right. that's only because we've read their writing on their newsletter. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I mean, I think it's an interesting conversation nonetheless. Oh, for sure. No, it dives into like surveillance capitalism. It dives into um, what else does it dive into? I just remember that being like, oh, fuck. Uh, we're really going there, huh? Um, not in like a, oh, I, like, I don't want to be here right now. Just in a, right. just in a. You know, it's kind of funny. I'm thinking we just named the the episode Doom Scrolling with uh, Arabelle. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, just because, not that you leave the conversation like just full of dread, but that you, what the writing does as it um, explores technology and politics is it allows you to kind of, I almost sounded smart there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we just go into it yeah we'll just go into it all right this is dewey dude season no fuck oh no fuck. season no more dewey seasons dude, dude. We're, we're fashion's over baby hell yeah all right dewey dudes episode 20 episode 20 
Uh, Doom scrolling with Arabelle Sicardi. Here we go. Okay, I think it works now. Oh, that's oh, that great. Yeah. Good. That's great. That's good. Okay, this is more reliable, I think. Okay. I, yeah, people are going to be like, wait, are there two? Evan, are you recording? Like the Zoom I am file? recording, yeah. Okay. Um, I am recording the Zoom okay. file. It should, yeah, the audio should be recording from Arabelle's yeah, side. I'm, yeah, I'm recording as well. Okay. I am too. And then I'm, on, I'm in GarageBand too, recording cool, cool. as well. We we got a setup, you know. We're, we're <laughs> so many layers in case I lose the we're file. We're cooking. Yeah. Okay, um, so where were we? Um, we were mid routine. I read oh, yeah. somewhere that you have a custom oh yeah serum. Yeah, I have a serum from it's a newer brand called Atola. Okay. Um, it's one of those like algorithm things that uses tests. Um, that they send you um, about like your skincare barrier. So it's basically you have like a pH strip essentially. And then you, you send that in after you like wipe your face and then they determine, you know, some magical serum that works for you. And I have been using it, but you know, it's also not something that I'm, you know, completely deeply impressed by. But maybe I just also have like really impossible standards <laughs> to meet at this venture. I do think it's a cool idea. Mm. Um, but I also haven't seen a huge change in my skincare texture after like, you know, the many months that I've been using this. And it's a very thin formulation. And I've never really used a serum that, that is that like thin and oily before. It kind of feels like it never settles in. Mm. So it's something that I like try out and I hate wasting product. I will never throw a product away if I can help it. So I'm just kind of using it until it's over and then I'll consider if I'm going to get a re-up or not. But right now I'm like, it's a cool idea. Not, I don't get why this is my formulation right now though. Yeah, so. I see. It reminds me of that Shiseido. Remember, Evan, you remember that Shiseido thing that was supposed to be some sort of face technology that that would make personalized serums for everyone? And I think it was introduced in Japan like maybe a year ago or so. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like we put that in meme, oh, meme yeah. or something. Yeah. Without like reading it through, we're like, this looks crazy. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I remember that. But inevitably with those sorts of things, like just like a swipe, I feel like it's hard to know what your skin actually, what your skin will actually be receptive to towards. Right. Like would it know that like, it couldn't know that you're like your skin type sensitive, right? Unless you put that in there. They have a, a quiz that it goes okay. together with, the the samples that you send over so they kind of build up a medical history of a kind but the thing is it's like it's still the samples you send in are just a snapshot in time to what your body is like on that day right you're not necessarily sending like five different samples over the course of a week which you know and your diet and your stress levels and and all that stuff that also plays a part into how good your skin is at any point in time so the ingredients that you may need on a Monday may not necessarily be the same ingredients you want to be using on a Friday. Right. So, you know, it's it's a really cool idea. I, but it's also not the first of its kind, of, as you've mentioned. Like Shiseido's done stuff. Shiseido has so many cool projects that they're going that they do all the time. Then um, that's like one of them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of like the custom customization aspect of beauty companies right now even if i feel really skeptical about the security of the information that's provided to them oh, a lot of the time yeah. right um, yeah because you surveillance yeah, capitalism, you write a lot about maybe. technology as well yeah yes and like from being a temp worker at at twitter and like working in the surveillance space for you know a brief minute it, it did not it didn't romanticize the other side of it by any means so now whenever i'm getting press releases about you know very convenient beauty technology i'm always thinking about what the implications are because it's so easy to just harvest 
data and we give them information about ourselves away all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I get more and more skeptical about what's the point of providing it to a company when there's no trust implicit in that relationship yet. You know, it, it's really easy to just, um, give away so much about ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, will we ever like really know if there's trust there? Probably won't until it's broken, which is the saddest part. Yeah. (laughs) What I wonder with that information, uh, especially like filtered through a beauty brand, um, you know, obviously the end goal is to to make profit for shareholders, right? It's like it's all it's just a profit making. But what what are they? Because since at that point, even though they're selling a product, they're consuming you as well. Like, what about you? Are they exploiting and feeding back to you? I'm curious about that. I mean, that's a really good question. And I think it depends on the company. There's there's a big stink about the relationship that 23andMe had with its users, that DNA at Ancestry site, Mm -hmm. and how it was associated with um, it's, I think it sold information to an insurance company at one point or another. And oh that insurance company was able to use that information to determine, you know, things about their customers and prospective customers. And that, inf- and that type of, and those are the type of determinations um, change what type of medical teams you get. It changes how expensive your, your plans might be. It can, Change how your health is determined, and that type of relationship isn't unique to 23andMe. Beauty companies that collect information, they're not very transparent about who they may sell that information to. It's pretty boilerplate when we look into user, um, you know, user agreements, but all of these databases that usually get um, added onto they once they once they exist it's kind of hard to keep control of them and you know the conversations about like the FBI and other like police adjacent and police forces they all use really old databases that are continuously added onto and once your information is in any one of them you can't really get it back. So I always think about what relationship those databases might have to my online presence and what my online presence might have associated with it. So it's like your online presence has all of your shopping habits. Mm -hmm. If you use like Rakuten or if you have a Sephora membership, like through VIP program, like something on the internet knows what products you've bought, what products you've been looking at, what products you want to buy, or products you've bought, what products your friends have recommended you, how long you've been on any of these websites, if you have anything in your shopping cart. And if you're in store, the, they also know how long you, you're at a particular stand in the store. And someone's always going to be monitoring you because they're worried about shoplifting. So like, yeah, there's surveillance capitalism in every aspect of our life. <laughs> <laughs> That's really heavy. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, really great, great mid uh, mid topic skincare drop or whatever <laughs> we were doing. Like, <laughs> let's just get into it. Well, you know, it's interesting. Like, like um, you wrote somewhere about these days, you're more cognizant or careful about things you endorse or put out there in the world because you know that there are real world consequences. Um, mm-hmm. Well, like in that sales will be generated even though um uh, your words not mine <laughs> micro influencer <laughs> micro influence. even though like you're a micro influencer mm-hmm. you still could see um something on amazon jump to the front of the line um or or rank oh, higher yeah, than reviews. it did uh, two days ago because and it makes sense too because you know um like i know a lot of friends arabelle that they they absolutely love you and they like are like you need to get Arabelle on the pod. We're like we're trying to do it, so it's not surprising that things are jumping um, on Amazon when it comes to those sort of things. But um, does the whole entire surveillance capitalist capitalistic aspect of beauty does that kind of I'm sure that goes through your mind now as you move forward and continue to write about beauty and politics and 
in tech? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's not even the fact that some algorithm has, you know, a literal decade of my habits somewhere and just like forms it out. That isn't even the thing that bothers me the most. The thing that bothers me the most is that we don't get compensated for this ever, really. You know, like if, if I was compensated equitably for the amount of information that is is farmed from my existence, I would be less salty. <laughs> but, you know, just because I, I know how influence collaborations work and because I had, you know, many years under my belt as a fashion blogger at one point, like I know that you can make a literal living off of your influence and, you know, benefiting from constantly being surveyed. So... I kind of stopped doing like product recommendations and stuff because that benefits kind of the brands and the individual person getting the recommendation more than it does my bottom line. And I don't want to be like, I want to obviously be helpful to people, but I also want to actually create enough stability for my life that I get paid for my knowledge Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I will, I'll, I'll con- consult for brands on a regular basis, very selectively, but I'm not going to say yes to any opportunity that's presented to itself just because a brand has deigned to acknowledge my existence, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just really selective because me saying that a brand has, you know, jumped a couple of thousands of spots on Amazon, that wasn't a vague, like I've literally seen that happen. And, you know, Amazon, the affiliates program reached out to me telling me as much, you know, that I moved this particular product that I had recommended at a certain time and they wanted to work with me more, but, you know, Amazon's a huge company. Yeah. They're not exactly known for being good to their workers and the terms of of that engagement weren't really going to be equitable for me as a person. So, you know, I didn't pursue that and it didn't change my life, but it also made me aware that one person's influence can be outsized and can be the difference between zero and like $10,000 in a day, you know? So... I just, I get salty not only because of surveillance capitalism, but, but the fact that I do not benefit from it. And I think that's very <laughs> um, sad, you know, but it's also just sure. realistic. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I mean, the, a lot of these companies are making so much money off of everyone's data. And it's interesting what you say about Amazon. I'm sure they're looking for a lot of people that are, quote, you know, micro influencers that w- might be more open or willing to take a deal that's not so equitable to them you know, just based off of maybe less of an understanding of how, I mean, not you, but somebody else, less of an understanding of how that relationship works or should work or could work. Right. Or you wouldn't even understand that um, because you don't see, not until you see what kind of bag you can get, <laughs> right? Um, like that they're taking advantage. Yeah. Of, you're being exploited to a degree because it all looks fun and it's in this it's in this world of... Um, yeah, it's in the world of beauty and fashion, and it's like it's glamorous, and so you know, um, it's why like these brands, uh, you know, or like media institutions that report on these things can be like handpick um, people like who come like who are from means, right? And they don't ever have to pay, or they don't have to. It's just like, but so it's it's always weird when you run you run into micro influencers and you see like the degree of their like their influence. Um, but then you ask them like, oh man, like, so how, how's making money off this? And they're like, I do not make any of it. Like not, not yet. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's like, I've been an influencer in one way or another since I was 14 or something. So it's been more than a decade at this point. And I was an influencer before Instagram was even a thing. You're a big like, on Tumblr, this is right? On, yeah, I was on Tumblr and I was on Blogspot, Blogspot. which is even older. Yeah. And yes, <laughs> I acknowledge, like, I was also on LiveJournal, you know, like, there are many iterations yeah. of internet, like, cults, you know? So, 
and like so I've seen the scale of, of power and like how much you can get for an opportunity change so wildly that it's kind of exhausting to even keep track of and for me I'm more sane when I am kind of removed from everything and I'm observing the larger patterns that are going on, which is why I'm writing book stuff and why I write my newsletters. So I'm not really beholden to a content timeline like I was when I was a beauty editor. And I'm not beholden to constantly churning out something for brands I'm in collaboration with and getting their approval for something and fighting for like another you know, thing with them because, you know, being a professional influencer is a full-time job. You're, you're doing like eight people's jobs on one account right. and it's all based on your identity. And I don't really want to live and die by if someone likes me enough to like reshare my photos, you know? Right. I mean, right. I can't, that can't be sustainable for, I mean, it's right. not sustainable, yeah. but, um, I mean, I, I could, it's so funny. Like we got off the topic of your skincare routine and now we're just like diving into like all the shit we want to talk about because no, like, um, your writing, uh, I was going to say this earlier or like I was thinking about it while you were, while you were speaking about, um, you know, you have this one, uh, piece you have on your newsletter about, um, archives and be- like being a concept in that, you know, the internet truly isn't forever. And, you know, taking, um, taking agency and collecting your past and being okay with showing process. And um, I think I'm going on a tangent here, but I'm wondering like (laughs) with that, I mean, you've gone through all these iterations of social media and you finally got to this point where you, you have your children's book written and then now you have this one that's exploring more adult things not that the children's <laughs> book isn't for adults but uh, it's, it's something that it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> yeah no i mean but it's 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 closer to your newsletter and, and therefore i don't know you like i'm just so impressed by it because it's one you can tell you're so close to it because you're not just chasing things mm-hmm. you're like you're not alienated from what you're writing about at all it's totally just what you want to talk about and you relate all these concepts back so brilliantly um Maybe I'm just fanboying, but that's, that's kind of, yeah. but uh, I don't know. Maybe should we do the skincare stuff more? <laughs> and then, then we can like talk about like you know Rookie Mag to Buzzfeed, like how mm-hmm. how you made those jumps to where you are today. Um, wait, so where did we stop in the skincare routine? Um, I think we stopped at like the Curology and like the serum yeah. and stuff I used. That was it, and that was <laughs> it. I mean the the mo- I use the two moisturizers right now. I use the Embryolisse one. Okay. Um, oh. That was kind of a big deal, you know, like three years ago. It was on everyone's yeah, top shelf. Absolutely. I mean, take me, take I, me back to three yeah. years ago. Right. <laughs> and I was I bought it when I was in Paris a couple of years ago Ooh. because it's so much cheaper to get there. Like Bioderma and all of these like French brands are like a third of the price there. It's ridiculous. So I bought it there. I tried using it when I first bought it and I hated it so deeply that I never used it again. But I think my skin has changed mm. in that three in those three years. And so it works really well now. Um, so I pretty much use that morning and night. And some days I'll use the clay mask. Like I really like this one from, I don't know how to pronounce it, but this brand called Arai or something. A-R-A-I, and it's an Australian red clay mask, and it's so good. I use it maybe twice or three times a month, and it's so messy. Like, it literally looks like I killed someone after I use it, and I have to, like, be clean the entire bathroom. But it's so worth it. I don't even care. I'm like, yeah, fine. I'll have to go to the tub now, whatever. But it's so good. So I use that and, but I, I don't really use sheet masks anymore. So I'm pretty much only using the clay mask. Yeah. I feel like sheet masks were such a thing like two years ago. Like they really exploded. Um, I haven't used one in a long time either. Uh, but uh, I gotta, I gotta write down that clay mask. That sounds nice. I feel like the best clay masks are always like the messiest. Like years ago, 
yeah. one of the first ones Evan and I both used was that uh, Aztec clay mask that you had to mix with uh, with what was it Vin- vinegar or something? No, not yeah. vinegar. Apple, Apple cider, cider vinegar. vinegar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was I can I can smell it, it smelled, right now. It was so right? messy. It. It, yeah, but it was great. Yeah. It was great. I know people who are still like swear by it, like because they have very acne prone right. skin. Or like they mm-hmm. say, you know, maybe use it. I should probably use it on my back because, like, I always battle with back knee. Um, mm-hmm. But they swear by it. Like, so clay masks. I mean, I haven't used them in a while because I feel like I'm just always like chemically exfoliating these days. But mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, you know, it'd be nice to kind of return and feel that deep stripping <laughs> of, you know, maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like clay masks. Kind of because I like watching watching them like dry on my face yeah, right. and seeing my individual pores is just like so grotesque and satisfying at the same time. Um, yeah, and I don't like peeling masks, even though mm. I wish that they were as satisfying as American Psycho made them look. <laughs> like oh, just yeah. slow peel yeah. was is so decadent, but it never it never works like that. Like you'd have to put so much on your face. Yeah. So, you feel, do you feel like you're sitting there for like like an hour just trying to get it off? That's how I always feel. Like yes. And I feel like it actually makes my, my picking neurosis worse. Uh-huh. Now, even though I initially started using them because it, it kind of sublimated my urge to pick my skin, <laughs> but it just, I'll, I'll, I'm, I get so paranoid that I've like left a random strip of it behind that I just like end up like clawing oh, man. my skin. Oh, no. So it's uh, not a good I think clay is where it's at. Yeah. yeah. There's some. Uh, I re- go ahead. Go ahead. No, Julio. you go ahead. I have to plug in my laptop real quick because I just realized it's going to die. <laughs> Class. <laughs> um, I read that you have a new face mini for extractions. Yes. Do you yes. use it? How How is that? Unfortunately, I really love it. Like I wish. Oh yeah. I wish that I was. I could say that like it's just a waste of money sure but it is actually so good and that's not even from my personal experience my one of my best friends bought it as well and she's older than me and has different skin issues entirely and it made her look like she's like 15 years younger within like three days so i gotta get that (laughs) just seeing her before and after photos i'm like oh shit, she should actually be like their campaign model because she, she had like age spots and like damage from, from a lot of smoke in her neighborhood. Oh. And she looked like she went to the spa for like three days. I need that. Yeah. I need this. Is yeah, a part of the guilt. Unfortunately so good. <laughs> is a part of the guilt factor. Once you realize how good it is, you're like, Oh man, you know, I wish I like, I, I can't be doing this to my esthetician, my facialist. They're there to extract me. Now I can just do it myself. I mean, the new, like, okay, so this is really bad. And I apologize to my esthetician for admitting this, but <laughs> my partner, like, she gives me extractions, like, mm-hmm. on a reg- very regular basis. And it's awesome. It's kind of the best part of quarantine is just to, like, have that irregular ritual where mm-hmm. she just, like, spends, like, 10 minutes meticulously clearing out my, my skin. That's so sweet. That's yeah. honestly, that's all, we, yeah. that's all we're looking for, you know, exactly. At least for me, that's the bare minimum. Although I don't know right? if I like, you know, I, I kind of saw someone who would, I just didn't trust them. I think maybe that there's more issues there, <laughs> but I was just like, yeah. I don't, I don't trust that you're doing this right. Or like, you're probably fucking it up more than it needs to be. Uh, but that's something mm-hmm. I probably have to work on. Yeah. It sounds like it. it sounds that's like awesome. sounds like a yp right what's that line um wow um what next let's what next on this talk a little bit about your writing and your process i think or i think evan and i both really want to know what your personal media diet is like like what informs you because we're both we were both really impressed by all the recommendations within the articles that you write they're all things that i feel like i would have such a hard time stumbling across with so much online. And they're always, like Evan said, very intertwined uh, with your writing. And yeah, I don't, we're just so impressed by. Right. Go ahead. 
Oh well, no, it's like, yeah, you're like you're synergizing yeah. like the Baffler, like the Scent Mag. You know, you're putting like a Maggie Nelson poem at the end of a. You know, it's insane. Yeah. And like even your the book you're writing is like based on a Mark Doty poem. So I'm also was wondering the newsletter. What what's mm-hmm. the, so the name of the re- newsletter is? Um, shit, I just lost it because now I'm like. <laughs> Uh, you, you've got lipstick on yeah. your chin. I was wondering if that's a reference to something because you're very referential. No, I mean, I am very referential. It is true. The name of my newsletter is just because I always have lipstick <laughs> on my chin. Oh. And yeah. So I was just like, I have no other thing I could possibly name it. Because I'm not really good at naming things. I mean, for for God's sakes, my fashion blog was called Fashion Pirate. Like, I shouldn't be allowed to name anything, <laughs> to be pirate. honest. Sometimes I think <laughs> Dewey Dudes is kind of cringe. I'm like, mm, this is kind of cringe. Yeah, so I'm just like, I'm glad that my newsletter <laughs> it's good. is, is you know, name something that has something directly to do with right. me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my process. Oh, media diet. Mm-hmm. My media diet. Yeah. So I just, I'm such a nerd. I'm always reading. I usually read like six books at a time and, um, it's just how my brain works. Like, I think that's why I was popular on Tumblr for a while because the way that Tumblr works, it's, it is just such a living archive of like modeling the way that you interact with any idea is kind of like a tree of knowledge that you just share with people and you can create, you can create your own archive by tagging all the time. So I was really good at being able to use that to share information and people knew how to learn more just by going through the tags and adding to it themselves and like adding to specific tags I created and building a conversation that way. And so that's how I still use the internet, even if I don't use Tumblr anymore. So the newsletter it's it's more curated than um, than my brain usually is, obviously. So I set aside a couple links a week um, that I find interesting that I keep returning to mm-hmm. that I would talk to my friends about or, you know, just keep thinking about when I'm journaling or something. Mm-hmm. And they may have not, a lot of the times they have nothing to do with the beauty industry, but I don't think the beauty industry has to be directly mentioned in any, you know, circumstance to still have an impact. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about beauty when we talk about politics all the time, when we talk about how much Trump's hair costs or, you know, the way that AOC is treated for the the way that she looks or presents herself in a hostile environment or how Ilhan Omar is treated Mm -hmm. whenever she's anywhere. (laughs) And right the the way that we you know just approach conversations about politics and respectability has everything to do with the way we look so i see it everywhere and so i don't really limit myself to thinking about beauty in terms of tools or products because that's not how we actually understand beauty anyway mm-hmm. you know like we understand the beauty industry for for these like commodities, yes, but we also understand its connection to race and class and gender mm-hmm. and all of these things that directly affect our lives in a billion different ways. So for me, when I'm reading anything, I'm kind of just like looking for things that are open to having connections with other aspects of the world. So it could be a really cool interview with a writer I admire. Yeah. Who talks about creativity and how they find beauty somewhere. That's obviously up my alley and I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll post it. Um, it could be some straight up beauty news. Yeah. But I, I just kind of collect things that I already see a connection with and I want to share them with other people. And that's, that's it. There's not really like a content, um, <laughs> there's not like a neat way to classify this newsletter, which is probably why I haven't paid a lot of attention to it and its growth up until maybe this year, even though I've had it for, for several years, mm-hmm. because I didn't take it as seriously as I was taking my other stuff. But 
this year when I kind of simplified the way I was doing work and focusing only on my book stuff and only on things that um, I felt in control of, I decided to take it more seriously because I didn't want to have to keep paying attention to <laughs> editor deadlines anymore because it's exhausting. Oh yeah. And, you know, like I am really glad and grateful that I have bylines in a bunch of places, but freelancing is such a hellhole most of the time. And I get pretty good rates like for, for the type of work that I do. And I still, you know, have to struggle. If I didn't have my book deal, I would be struggling every month to pay rent, you know? So I focus on the newsletter because it is something that is a reliable source of income in a way that, you know, lets me be myself. The same way writing this book make, helps me be myself. So I, I just kind of try to keep it as pure to my brain as possible. Yeah. Well, like speaking of your upcoming book, um, <laughs> House of Beauty, uh, like what can you like relate to listeners? I know you wrote something recently um, uh, about like beauty matters in, in a plague. Um, mm-hmm. There's a quote that stood out to me in it. I think you were talking about a book. It's like on beauty and being wrong. I think it's the name of it. Um, there was a quote that was like, how the pursuit of beauty is an emotional mm-hmm. addiction to capturing the sublime. And I thought that was a really mm-hmm. kind of beautiful thing to to just put out there in the world. And I'm just wondering, one, what do you mean by that? Because um, so you talk about like, beauty's terror all the time. You know, you talk about, <laughs> you, have these, yeah. <laughs> you have these really like, really like heavy concepts. Because like you said earlier about beauty, like it's not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not products. It isn't what, you know, it's, it's something much more, you know, um, I think then that piece you ended it with that, the Maggie Nelson po- poem, you know, like can beauty save us, you know, based one, one night she's feeling it's beautiful, you know, next morning she wakes up. It's like hell on earth. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that poem. So the book that I mentioned in that newsletter, it's called on beauty and being just, and it's by this, um, professor, I think she's at Harvard, um, Elaine Scary, Scary. I have never actually said her name out loud, so I probably <laughs> got it wrong. Um, she also has a really amazing book on the body and pain. I really just, she's one of my biggest references because she does take beauty so seriously um, as like a philosophical idea and as like a mythology and all of these other things. So she rules. Um, yeah, I just lost my train of thought because I just thought about how much I loved her. Sorry. <laughs> um, what am I supposed to be talking about again? Oh, no, you're, you're pulling a me. I'll just start talking. It's because I love the sound of my voice. So that's why I do it. But uh, no, we're talking about your upcoming book, right? You know, like what oh, you're yeah. lay and like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's that it's thing. Some, that thing. Um, the thing with the advance, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. The book, I've been writing it, for, it feels like forever. I started writing it pretty much maybe a couple months after I left BuzzFeed. And it started off as, you know, just like a compilation of my dream assignments. And like, what are the things that no magazine in their right mind would ever let me write about? <laughs> and honestly, it's still that, but the way that I understood that how those ideas were interconnected changed so much um, after the election and just over the years of being with these ideas for so long um, that the pursuit of each individual story, it started off with me being curious about specific ideas and beauty. And then it, they each, each chapter kind of becomes its own like meta lesson like how do you get lost in someone else's story so there's one chapter on um coco chanel and uh number five perfume and that is the chapter i i sold the book on um and i spent three years kind of exclusively researching chanel and going around the world um you know finding archives and sources for that chapter because I'm 
I'm obsessed with her. She's my favorite worst person. Like, I love how horrible she is. (laughs) Like, I deeply loathe her as a person, but you can't loathe someone and know so much about them without also loving them a little bit. Oh, yeah. And so she took over my life for, you know, three years and has really, I've been obsessed with her since long before I even wrote the book. So there's that chapter and it's all about her and also me. And then there's stuff that's straight up about other aspects of the beauty industry, like um, who gets a seat at the table and, you know, climate change and some other stuff that I can't really give away, but it's, it's kind of my dream book in the sense that, I have read so many books about beauty and about art world's conceptions of beauty and also, you know, the beauty myths and, you know, more feminist polemic kind of text. And they never did it the way that I would write it. So I kind of just figured I'd write the version I wanted to read. And so a lot of it is a lot like my newsletter in that I will weave philosophers and poets and scientists all into the same conversation um but at the end of the day it's still about the beauty industry and it's about beauty so it's not about you know it's not like a literary criticism kind of essay it's more it's just a weird baby i'm making a really weird baby and i love it and i can't wait for everyone to read it so i can write another book (laughs) yeah so it's so it's finished right no i am about I would say halfway through it. I am. Yeah. So we'll see. It's due. It's due next year. (laughs) So I'm writing it as fast as I can, considering we're in a pandemic and I can't travel. Yeah. You, I mean, you mentioned that your understanding of how all these different topics intertwined has changed throughout the years and with things happening. I mean, because of that, do Mm -hmm. you feel like you could write this book, spend forever finishing this book? Like, you think you'll have a hard time knowing or letting it go, I guess? Um, for my editor and my agent's sake, I would <laughs> say no. I mean, but the thing is, like, yes, I could spend forever writing this book, but I don't really want to. Like, it's... I've actually wanted to write this book since before I was even a beauty editor, when I think about it more. I knew that I wanted to write a version of this book when I was in, like, college, when I knew I wanted to write about beauty. But I wasn't ready to write the book yet. Like, I'm still not ready to finish the book, which is why I'm still writing it. And when, I, when I'm going to be done with it, I know that I'll be disappointed a little bit in it because it's never going to be the perfect book in my head. Mm-hmm. But I'm also so excited to get to a point where I've tried so hard <laughs> that I have something to show for it finally. Because... I mean, I've written more than 90,000 words of this book, and that is more than a book itself, but I've thrown out most of it. I'm a perfectionist, which is my biggest curse, yeah. you know? It's, it's really hard to let go of something that you love and care so much about, and especially when it's about something that you can't let go of in general in your life, because how... I, for me to like not think about beauty, I would like literally, I think about it when I'm sleeping. There's no chance for me to step away from the work, you know? So I look forward to the day when the final copy is, is done and I am smelling the first edition of it. And I, I'll know that I can't keep doing anything to it anymore. But until right. I get to that point, it's still my baby. But... I I have so many other ideas in my brain and other stories that I want to tell that when when the time comes to let go of it, yeah, I'll probably be really sad and nostalgic, but I'll be so excited too because yeah. it means that I can, you know, do the other stuff that I want to do. Right. And finally share this thing that I've been working on for so long. So. We'll be at that point part of the year, archive and survive. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> dropping... Um, like a, a piece on our new on on their na- newsletter, um, uh, it'll be part of that process for you. Because I'm wondering too, like, um, yeah, I mean, 
with things being so dated, I mean, like, do you ever, or were conditions being so different from when you probably started this? I'm mm-hmm. assuming you probably go back all the time and you, you're like, oh, my thinking around this has evolved entirely different. You know, it's, it's so indifferent at this mm-hmm. point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the self editing just, I imagine it's just excruciating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm coming up against when I'm writing new chapters for it. It's like, how, how can I possibly write around the pandemic? Like, if I'm writing about mm. the beauty industry, there's kind of a before and after COVID. <laughs> yeah. So I can't exactly make it about COVID, but I also no. can't write something without taking it in, in mind. Um, and so that is something I am dealing with on a day-to-day basis to try and figure out a way to make something timeless that's also acknowledging what times I'm in. But that is something that I've had to deal with since beginning to write the book anyway. Like the book that I wrote, the the version of the book that I began writing before the inauguration, um, I threw that away. I was like, I was like the world that I assumed I was existing in is incorrect. And the version of the book that I thought I needed to write is not this. And so I literally started over (laughs) and then I started over again a year later. So, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to start over. The the hard thing for me is to just keep going. Mm -hmm, And so I I try to actually not self edit as much as I did before, because I will obviously always, be critical of what I'm writing. The the hard part for me is to commit to it, actually. Mm. So, I don't know. Well, when you it just got to get it done, you know? You just have to yeah. get it done. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, when it comes out, you're going to have to come back on during your, your book your, tour, your press yeah. tour. Oh, I would love to. I'll send you guys we'll it. everything so you wow, read it. Wow, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, mm-hmm. in the meantime, listeners... Uh, Arabelle's got um, a book club that we'll link to, which I'm going to start buying and reading. <laughs> I walk away from your newsletter. I'm like, oh, I don't know anything. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like uh, as a proud non-reader, uh, damn, what is this? <laughs> no, you <laughs> read. Kidding. We read. We read. Um, <laughs> not, as, not enough. Um, but speaking of like the pandemic and mm-hmm. you're, you're, we're looking back to the 20s, 16 election when we're talking right now but like now there's mm-hmm. an election approaching um you recently covered a little bit um about you know ronald lauder donating 1.7 million to his super PAC that's basically just trying to keep the senate from a super majority um but then you also wrote about um reopening um beauty salon for, uh, for yeah beauty salons for teen vogue about how that process is going and i think what's interesting during this time around the election with, you know, the stakes are much higher. Um, but, and with like COVID, you know, there's this, this weird sense of like what we all feel like our consumerism, but we also feel like we're very powerless and there's a sense of responsibilizing of people. And I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts about that is. Cause, um, just as like a concept when it comes to like the election and it comes to, you know, looking out for your neighbors during this pandemic, because, you know, we are all alienated. We all are atomized. Um, but, you know, it's it feels like we're spiraling <laughs> to, to, you know, the, nothing changes. It only gets worse, you know. <laughs> so. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean. I'm mostly in a doom spiral all the time. <laughs> so doom I get scrolling, it. doom scrolling. The, like you say. Yeah. The thing for me that. I try and focus on when it comes to both reporting on what's going on right now and just living through it is that all we have is each other and, you know, capitalism likes to make us feel like we're really alone and like we're powerless. But like I wrote, like, I guess a week ago, um, being a nobody is actually very important and it's how a lot of people survive and power benefits from creating a space of of no accountability for people in power and like it creates a space where 
nobodiness becomes like the ultimate way of life. And I think it's just really important for people to understand that you need to talk to your neighbors and you need to talk to people around you and see what you need directly because institutions are not going to protect you. They'll never protect you. And people are kind of learning that the jobs that we work are not our actual families, like our neighbors are and our, our friends are. And the people that take care of us are the people mm-hmm. that we need to take care of, not the people that, you know, is technically their job to care. They don't care. <laughs> so um, when I'm reporting about how COVID affects beauty workers, I'm just trying to find a way to magnify the voices of the people that take care of us that we never really value. Um, And by we, I mean like as consumers and just as a society, but also just like, I, I worry about like my esthetician and my, my, my nail tech and all these people that I, I pay for services all the time. And I check in with them regularly because even if they work at a really good salon, like, they haven't been working for months and there's no solutions for them. You know, like, do they go back and, you know, risk getting COVID when they are freelance employees and they don't have benefits? Mm -hmm. That is a kind of an impossible choice to be making. And people, you know, it's, it's a really hard industry to be in, in the best of times because the wages for beauty work are not very high, even though it is a skilled labor. Like Mm -hmm. you cannot tell me that doing a manicure is not, isn't like skilled labor until you have done one yourself and like fuck up at it really badly. You know, like this, this work is, is something that you have to be trained in Mm -hmm. and they're not being really considered at all. And that is just kind of an endemic problem throughout all levels of being a worker, not just in beauty, but in general, like the gig economy is just, (laughs) it's failing. It has always failed us, but it's Mm. failing people a lot right now. And um, so my reporting is kind of just trying to point out that the beauty industry isn't really being taken care of right now by people in power. And we have to take care of each other if people won't look out for us. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know back in April, um, you were, you were taking some of your subscription uh, funding to, um, for uh, a beauty to the streets. Uh, How did that go? Because you you were taking some subscription um, funding that you're getting and donating. Um, What are they up to these days? Yeah, that we were able to donate like 800 something dollars, which is awesome. And um, I still donate personally right. um, to Beauty to the Streets, especially because a lot of donations have dried out because people are struggling themselves to be able to provide it for themselves, um, right. let alone to share their wealth with other people. And, um, you know, the homelessness crisis is getting worse in LA and like throughout the country right now. So there's more demand for, for stuff right now than there has ever been. And that's really hard. Um, I am also like doing donations on a pretty recurring basis. So even if I don't promote like, Oh, I'm doing a donation with this round of subscriptions, I'm still donating a portion of the newsletter stuff to um, bail funds and mm. to grocery funds, basically, and like abortion funds. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just kind of part of how I like can stay up. Like, uh, so I, how I can go like, go to sleep at night. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I need to do this to feel, to feel a little better about writing about stuff that most people consider very vain. I'm just like, well, this matters because I can use this money to do something that matters to anybody, you know? So 
Yeah. And now I think a lot of people are, they've, they've adopted kind of that mindset and they just regularly donate portions of their newsletter proceeds, which I think is great and would be more common really. So. Do you have any uh, things you want to plug in that space? Um, I think everyone should donate to Glitz, um, which is like basically trans housing initiatives. And um, let's see, I've written about the trans clipping project before for Allure, and they are looking for more um, hair clippers, but also just for money for people in the South when it comes to homelessness and to prepare for hurricanes and because it's hurricane season, Mm. a lot of people are losing housing and like are dealing with a lot of damage right now from the hurricane and from just the pandemic. So they're collecting money and yeah, I mean, the the problem isn't even that like, I don't even know what, what to to plug. It's like, there's so many things to plug that, I think people should just kind of focus on finding long-term things that they're passionate about um, that they can check in with on a regular basis. Because um, there's a quote from, I think, Maryam Kaba, like prison culture on Twitter. And it, she says something like, you might have people in the first 10 minutes because of fear, but you'll lose them afterwards because fear can be exhausting. I'm not saying it right, but I, I generally think that people need to figure out how to make hope a discipline and to like exercise a part of themselves that, yeah. you know, makes caring for other people like a long-term event and not just like a, a one-time donation. Mm-hmm. So people should just find things that they care about enough to keep checking in on and stick to that and invest in that and, and grow with it. So. Definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's wild with, you know, since everything's been moved to become virtual, you know, um, you know, a lot of the times, you know, it, kind of acting on your empathy that way and you know, donating to like a mutual aid fund or bail funds and just you're, you're, you're constantly like berated with the horrors of the world mm-hmm. and um, it, it can be overwhelming. And I think especially like, again, as the election's approaching, you know, people feel very powerless um, with, you know, the decisions to be, the, the electoral decisions to be made. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, that's kind of piggybacking off of what you're saying, you know, getting like in touch with like your own like conditions and something you really care about where you can maybe have more of a political effect and that kind of act, yeah. you know, is always good. Yeah. I mean, the people that, taught me that beauty was not just about self-care, but it's about survival. And like you, you owe yourself to your community. They were, they were black organizers. They were black women organizers that created this whole idea of self-care that has been completely co-opted, you know? So when I'm thinking about self-care and mutual aid and how it's connected to beauty. I'm thinking about it in honor of the way that they initially created it. And like these terms, because they understand that all of this stuff is so connected. And the only way that we can survive, like essentially what has become a psychotic, unsurvivable doom spiral of a country (laughs) is that we have to take care of each other. Like that's it. So, you know, and beauty is great for, for how it sustains us in like this weird psychosis. But it's also, you know, it's not just for ourselves. Like we have to be able to feel good so we can bring joy to other people and like remind other people that we're all capable of joy even when things are fucked up. Like you can still, and you need to take care of yourself, especially when it's fucked up because like if anything, we should live out of spite. <laughs> like if anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, beauty is such a personal thing. And that's why we really mm-hmm. love, you know, your writing and the things you talk about because you show, yeah, all these connections and different, um, how much more there is to it, especially like in this moment. 
small. Well, thanks, guys. I yeah. appreciate podcast and all of the sick memes i have so many of your memes days they always make me laugh yeah they're, so. they're really changing the world <laughs> no. they're you know really really out there you know our little, yeah. no, our little so <laughs> yeah. well thanks Aww. well um usually we sign off with uh this thing called the dewey do's and don'ts yeah. and we usually botch it but this time we might not <laughs> i don't know we'll see maybe we not um do you know we just like usually usually just like oh you should do this you shouldn't do that you know but it's like a kind of cute thing <laughs> it's, <so> cute. <laughs> it's cute um we so, cute. what's up we love oh cute. yeah we love cute. So, cute cute is what we aim for right oh hell yeah um, yeah oh man throw back <laughs> uh zoomer listeners will be like what is that i don't know what that is <laughs> Um, all right, so Dewey, so Emilio, we, do you have any Dewey-Dews? Uh, do we do subscribe to Arabelle's Substack, um, Arabelle, sorry, to uh, for everyone to enjoy <laughs> the wonderful writing and uh, incredible reading recommendations? Um, do, we do, do we do uh, find, um, like Arabelle said, a subject or an issue, social justice issue that you feel passionate about and get involved in that area and you'll probably not only change someone's life that way save lives that way but you'll probably feel more complete and not as alienated from this hell world <laughs> damn so, yeah that's a do we do do we okay. Arabelle, you have one on the spot we're putting you on the spot um do we do remember to drink a lot of water uh, like if you're listening to this right now Drink a, wa- a glass of water for me. Thank you. I, I really need That's water. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I need to go refill. Um, some do we don't. Now we're getting, we're going to, we're going to neg a little bit. Don't. Um, Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we, this isn't, do we don't forget to keep checking in on your friends and family as the seasons begin to change, I just moved and I used to live with my sister and a couple mm-hmm. days passed by and I was like, Oh shit. I haven't texted her in a little bit, so I should hit her up. Oh man. I'm like going through that right now. Cause this is the first time I visited my family, uh, since COVID started. And yeah. Uh, I, I, Were they like, where have I you been? <laughs> They're like, Oh, what's up? How's it going? Uh, there's our, our, um, our long lost son. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, so I, I, I definitely need to heed that advice. Um, um, I have one, and it is, do we, don't doom scroll until your phone dies, oh, please. Oh, man. Please, oh. please. That's always the worst when, yeah, when you're just fucking, oh, I've been, I've been on it way too long. I didn't even notice that's <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah, so I, I was on my phone earlier when I was um, at, like, the car place yeah. earlier and I, I did exactly that until it was like at three percent and like i was having a panic attack <laughs> at the world it was like this is not it this is definitely oh, not God. it so don't do that <laughs> well i feel like you coined the term because i've only read this in your writing is doom scrolling and i'm like oh shit that's did you come up with oh, that i definitely did not mm. coin oh. it um, there's a, there's a writer called karen karen ho and she she's a journalist from Canada and she sends doom scroll like don't doom scroll reminders every single night on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, log and, off. Get off. Yeah. Um, so I'll, show it to her. <laughs> you know, I was thinking like in like devouring all your writing uh the past couple of days, um how like I think subconsciously not as smart not as not as intelligently as you, obviously. But I feel like subconsciously we're like jacking your style with some of the language, you know. Um, I'm trying to. I, I like wrote down some notes. Um, where was it? Oh damn, where is this? Sorry. But yeah, like I feel like we would say something like doom scrolling, or like, or you just describing beauty as a death cult, mm, like yeah. you know how like <laughs> capitalism is a death cult. Like I feel like I don't know. I felt very related to you in just reading all your stuff recently. So, but I'll stop. I'll oh. stop. Yeah, oh, thank you. I love getting gassed up. 
I should just like call call you up again and be like, all right, give me my pep talk for the day. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. <laughs> all right. Well, if um, you know, if if you don't have anything anything else to plug yeah. or um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've good. Uh, I will let y'all. I'll go back to your dinners and first meals yeah, of the day. Oh, I can't wait. And- yeah. Yeah. Love it. You know, well, we can we could always virtually break bread, but I don't. I know mm-hmm. we like to do that. No. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Yes. Of course. Thank you. Thanks yes. For me. Until next time, right. everyone. See ya. Arabelle Sicardi. Bye.